It's about our vision. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, I couldn't imagine a better time. If you've been here since the beginning, hey, this is a great time for us to refresh why Canoe Creek is here. If you're somewhere in between, I, I have no doubt. Uh, this, this series on our vision, our mission, our values is going to be an exponential and important series. And it's got an excellent timing as we prepare to share with you our 15-year vision coming up in the year 2022, next year, uh, this is a perfect time to do that. Uh, so today we're actually talking about vision. I came across something in a Harvard-based study by child psychologist, Paul Harris. He said that a child asks around 40,000 questions between the ages of two and five. And some of you are like, well, my kid's an overachiever. They ask that every day. I know what you're talking about. You know, uh, my wife has a preschool in our home. And between four preschoolers, you can imagine how often we hear the why question. Uh, University of Michigan did a study. We're not talking football. Stay in your seats. It's all right. Okay. All right. Um, they did a study where they found that when a child received a satisfactory answer, to their why question, they might follow up with subsequent questions to help clarify. But if they did not receive a satisfactory answer, they would just keep asking the same question over and over and over again, just different ways, obviously, to try and, you know, figure out what's the answer to that question. Now, sometimes kids will ask a why question because it's an action of defiance. Like, uh, brush your teeth. And they're like, Why? And you say, well, because you don't want your teeth to look like this. Like you got a mouthful of chitlets, you know what I'm saying? You remember them, that old gum, little tiny things? Yeah, anyway, it might work, right? So keep that picture handy or just paste it on the mirror at home. But, you know, being more serious about this idea of asking the question why, God has placed within every single one of our hearts this desire to explore the universe that we're in, to, to propel us, move us in his direction, to know him. And asking why really helps us get clarity on some things, helps grow our faith where there isn't the ability to have clarity. Let me just be honest with you. There's some things about God that are never going to be perfectly clear until we see him face to face. And this is where faith kicks in. But let me just simply say this. When we stop asking why, we start settling into, well, whatever. You know, this is the way it is. This is what I do. This is how I do it. And it's a blase kind of attitude versus a very intentional attitude, a very focused attitude, a very meaningful one where there's significant purpose. So the why question is so important because the why question at Canoe Creek is where we answer our vision. You know, when we talk about our vision and who we are, where we're trying to get, what we're trying to accomplish, it's always about the why. Why do we exist? Why do we have Sunday mornings? Why do we have groups? So why do we sing? Why do we have classes and electives? Why do we have big events like Trunk or Treat, Generosity Project, or Easter Fest, and so on? And, and here's the thing. The vision must answer the question, why? Why do we do what we do? Why do we say no to some things? And say yes to other things, and so on and so forth. It all comes back to why is Canoe Creek ultimately here? And, and there's one verse, when you think about this, that always rises to the top. It always stands out. And, and it's always at the heart and soul. It's the primer for mission and vision for the church, uh, for our community. And it should be for the church universal all around the world. Uh, it may apply in different ways, in different cultures. Philosophically, we approach it and maybe do some things a little bit differently at Canoe Creek than you would do in Haiti or somewhere else. But it is the heart and soul of the mission and the vision for the church. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. 
or Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. So jump in your Bibles with me, jump in your Bible apps with me. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you want to follow along, grab that Bible off the rack in front of you. And by the way, if you don't own a Bible and you want one, you need one, just keep the one on the rack in front of you. And, and let's read together this morning, Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. You guys ready? Here we go. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Great verse, paramount verse, essential verse uh, for the church, for vision and for mission. Now, I know what some people may say. They may say, well, you know, we spend a lot of time on a verse like this. I've heard it preached on many times, engaged with many times, so on and so forth. Sometimes it could be like, you know, you have this whole sea in front of you of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, right? But you're just always looking at this one piece of sea salt versus the entire scope of things. And, you know, here's the reality. We could spend more time on something like Deuteronomy 23 verses 1, which says, no one who emasculated himself or has his male organ cut off should enter the assembly Lord. Wouldn't that be fun, right? Just enjoyable sermon topic this morning. Uh, but here's the reality. From Genesis to Revelation, God's word is equally inspired. It is all there because God wants it there, because God desires for it to be there. And maybe there's some things that, that, aren't, even, that aren't there that we will know with God in heaven, right? But this is what we do know, is that certain verses are more, more applicable in a certain time, a certain sphere, in a certain place. And so we should spend a lot of time on this. In fact, in Connect class, we say something about this verse I'm going to say now, and that is uh, Jesus' last words are our first priority. This is one of the last things that Jesus says to us before he ascends into heaven. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I've got a loved one and they're like, this is the last thing I'm going to say to you, that gets etched in stone. It becomes paramount. It becomes essential. You know, and these last words from Jesus are certainly a first priority of us here at Canoe Creek. And ultimately, as we look at that, um, the, message, the, the Matthew passage helps define for us the why. You know, when we, uh, every Sunday, think about the statement that we say every Sunday, go share Jesus with your world. Why? Because it's rooted right here within this passage that we're looking at. You know, and, and if we summed up, you know, we want the gospel to be shared with everyone, everywhere, in every way. In fact, we have a North Star statement, so to speak, for our senior leadership. This has been around at this church forever. And some of you that have been a part of leadership discussions will probably recognize it to some degree. And others are going to be like, wow, I've never heard that before in my life. And it's simply, Canoe Creek exists to be a community of Christ-centered disciples who live to lead people to be mature followers of Jesus. We have been using that for years internally to help guide and direct different decisions and things we make. And I know some of you are looking at that thinking, wow, I am so glad that they say, go share Jesus with your world, right? It's a whole lot easier to say. It's a whole lot easier to remember and get our minds wrapped around. But it's at the heart and center of this text that we're, we're reading, at the heart and center of what Christ is calling us to. And if our gathering on Sunday morning what we're doing right now, is our main event. If this is our main event, then what I'm saying to you is we're not accomplishing the vision. 
It's important. It's commanded. Uh, it's an opportunity for encouragement. It's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to exercise my purpose as a part of this church and in this community and so on and so forth, without a doubt. But if it's why we exist just to get together, then we've missed the main vision, the most essential thing. Because gathered here each and every week are all kinds of Christians who have various differences, your work, your school, your culture, your circle of friendships, and so on. So if our primary event is taking place here, then we miss the vision. But when our primary event is everyone inspired, everyone equipped, and everyone passionate to go out and share Jesus with their world, then we are accomplishing the vision that God has ultimately called us to. Now, why, you know, we state it very simply in a very simple way every Sunday is because it's memorable. It helps settle in our hearts. In all sincerity, as we're working on the 15-year vision that we'll be releasing to you guys, it's actually a script. I mean, the first five-year segment of that involves resourcing the family ministries in a powerful way, uh, developing an adult and a holistic discipleship program for this church over the next five years that fuels the next 10 years after that, engaging into our Latino community by creating a Canoe Creek expression in Espanol so that we can have services that reflect that. These are some of the primary things. You can't say that in one statement, but you can say, hey, let's do stuff to go share Jesus with our world. And those are some of the things that we we are engaging in and inviting you into as well. When we're making the point that our plans must originate from God, we had a sermon last week to, to focus in on that. If you weren't here last week, jump on the app, listen to it. Basically, here's what we said though. Spiritual maturity is learning to leverage your life for the plan and the will of God. To use what he's given you to glorify him. And at the end of the day, this is what the vision should be. This is what the mission should be. It shouldn't be what we want. It shouldn't be what we desire. It should always be about what God would want, what God would desire. And that's not always the easy thing to do. The primary reason why we work hard at seeking God's plans is summed up in this text. Essentially, it says, Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, anything we want to do with authority, with difference, with power, with eternal significance, it's got to be his plan. It's got to be ultimately his vision. So Canoe Creek exists for his glory. The senior leadership at Canoe Creek, elders and executive minister in my position, we serve at the pleasure of God's will. We serve to accomplish what he would desire. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. Let me just give you a, a simple and very broad idea. I, I remember one time, quite some years ago, I, I was lamenting a situation. And a friend said to me, well, you know, if you could help me get on the leadership, I, I'll get your agenda through. Man, it was like one of those cartoons where red sirens start going and flags start going up and bells. And I was like, absolutely not. I don't want anybody like that anywhere near a senior leadership position within this church. 
Uh, and, and this is something that we struggle through sometimes. Some people just look at what we do and think, well, that's what Ross wants or that's what the elders want. I can't even begin to express to you how I've sat in meetings and we've philosophically discussed something round and round and round because two or three of us in the senior leadership, we just don't prefer it. We just don't like it. But at the end of the day, we come to this point where we say, we serve at the pleasure of the vision of God for his glory in this church. Will this bring about more people knowing Jesus Christ as a result of this community going out and sharing him with their world. I said, well, we think so. Therefore, we need to do it, whether it's what I want or it's whether what I like, and move forward with that because that's what we were talking about last week. That is absolutely so essential as we're thinking about that because we are battling against a culture that is very destructive and very difficult. Um, you know, we're trying to have a vision here at Canoe Creek Christian Church where we're the church, us, all of us, go out and, and we magnify God in such a way that people are attracted to him and, and people are gravitated towards him. And it may mean that the first thing they ever do is come into a service like this. Maybe the first thing they ever do is ask you a why question, right? And maybe the first thing they ever do is just start pouring out their heart to you and it positions you to be able to share Christ with your world. But essentially the problem that we have is really one, it's Satan. And he works in culture in a multifaceted way to make things difficult, to get the vision out and be able to help bring people up to a place where they realize, I'm a disciple. I'm a pastor. I am the plan of God. I am the vision of God. I don't just simply go to be entertained at a service like this, but I go to be engaged and grow and go out to share Jesus with our world. Think about some of the things that Satan does do. One of the things that's really, I'm lamenting within my heart constantly is this issue with celebrity pastor worship. You have celebrity worship, you have celebrity pastor issues within this, within this country and all over the world. And, and people are more about being entertained than they are being engaged with God's word, with God's family, with the church, and with God's vision and mission in their life. And this is a problem. I'm, I'm a little bit hopeful and thankful that we're starting to see that wane a little bit. Less and less people are getting away from just you know, saying, well, this is my pastor and somebody that they watch on their phone and they've never met in their personal life. You know? And they're starting to say, no, what about this whole community thing in scriptures? Uh, they're starting to say so much more about, isn't it deeper than just this very surface level to where we see these celebrity worship and celebrity pastors mile wide and an inch deep? Is there more to it than this? And, and, I, and I'm hopeful that we're seeing a, a shift in culture to some degree to where people aren't as it, wanting to be entertained, but they're wanting to be engaged. Uh, another issue is a narcissist church culture. I just, I made up a word there, but I didn't make it up as a preacher word. You take the idea of narcissism, somebody who's very self-focused, right? And the idea of uh, exegetical study, that is going into God's word, finding what it says, and what I'm supposed to do as a result of what it says. Put those together, you get Jesus. That is, we see a lot of this in songs, we see a lot of this in preaching, that is a very open-ended idea of scripture. Well, what does that mean to you? <laughs> well, how do you apply that to your life? And sometimes scriptures and ideas within scriptures are taken way out of context so that you can take that and bring it to the center of your life, make it subdued to your will and your desire and your vision and your mission, and just kind of do whatever you want with it. And this is a significant problem as a result of some of the preaching and teaching that we're seeing happening that people are engaged with. You know, another issue is turnover culture. 
The same consumer culture pressure that we see driving Jesus is also ex- causing people to explore their options. Well, I'll go here this week, go there that week, and so on and so forth. I'm not saying there's anything particularly wrong with that. But I am saying that, listen, if you've got a church in your community that has an awesome vision and is really doing what God's will is, engage with that church. Uh, grow with that church. Uh, bleed with that church, so to speak, and celebrate with that church and engage in the mission and the vision of God with that church. I mean, some people are just into, hey, you know, this new place has great lights. This, this new place has great children's ministry. This place has this, this place has that. And they just kind of pounce around. I'm not talking about where you're engaged with the church for years and all of a sudden the leadership implodes or they philosophically take such a hard turn you can't stay on the boat. They throw you off the side and you're like, oh my goodness, you know. No, I'm just talking about kind of we have this culture that people just pop around, kind of do whatever they want, and they're not really invested. And it's a whole lot easier to stay on the surface level and not be known when you do that. There, there's a method in it. This is why Mike Chandler and I, a preacher at Celebration Church, has just planted here recently in our culture. He and I have been getting together, and he's trying to get a lot of the ministers together because he has a vision for shepherding the community not just shepherding a church. And I love it, and that's why I love getting together with him as well. You know, another thing is uh, Twitter culture. I, like, that's so old, right? Like, everybody's like, no, it's TikTok. It's probably actually something new that I don't even know about, and it'll be exciting for five minutes, all right? And then it'll be something else. But, all right, Twitter culture, you know, if I can't tweet it or read it or focus on it in the same time I can read a tweet, well, it's way too much of an investment in my life, you know? And so that's why it's harder to have fall electives like biblical worship, and Christ in the Old Testament, you know, and, and a lot of people are a little bit nervous to engage in stuff like that because it's an investment. It takes time. But I'm telling you, man, that kind of stuff with great teachers like we have and great content in God's word, it can really grow you beyond you could ever imagine. Now, I, I can name more problems, but essentially what I'm pointing out are the challenges that we face in our culture from moving a person from point A to point Z, from not believing or somewhat believing to actually being a disciple to somebody who leverages their life for the will of God in the ultimate end. And they do that by going out and sharing Jesus with their world. And so often the emphasis in this passage that we've read is reversed. It's like, hey, look at this passage. You see, you should be baptized because you're a believer in Jesus. Well, that may be true. There's a lot of other passages about that, but that's not the focus of the passage. It isn't, hey, you should be baptized because you're a believer in Jesus. The the focus is, hey, you're a believer in Jesus, therefore you should be going out and sharing Jesus with your world and baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we see in in the scriptures. That's the focus of this passage is that we should go because we are baptized believers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit, some may see the Holy Spirit as this cloud hovering over us, right? That uh, God is some kind of a Wi-Fi signal in the air. Uh, But he's radically different than that, much more personal and much closer to to us than that. Uh, The scriptures teach us that the presence of God is dwelling within us as a gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at John 14. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Romans 8. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. 
In 2 Timothy, Paul wrote to his dear child, Timothy, in the faith, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. This is a simple elementary teaching. doesn't mean that we understand everything about it, but it's an elementary teaching that the Spirit of God is present in the life of a believer. And he does all kinds of stuff between sealing us for the eternal day of redemption to guarding the, the, the gospel that's been deposited with us uh, to helping us grow and change. And we don't always understand that. We don't always see that at work. We don't always know how to, to, to manage that. But we do know this. He's there. He's present. And his presence is powerful within us. The spirit of God's presence in us is his energy. The Hebrew word is rukah, the the power that animates us and the power that drives us and the power that sanctifies us and helps us become more than we could ever imagine being right now in this moment. You know, and the Bible chronicles all kinds of amazing stories about how the spirit of God entered into his people to do amazing things for the people of God and in the community in which they live. And now in these latter days, we know that the Spirit has been poured out. It wasn't just precisely surgically given to Saul in this moment or to David in that moment. In this day, since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's not just surgically given. It is poured out so that anybody who wants to engage with God can have the presence of God in their life to go out and do amazing things that they didn't imagine possible before. God has blessed this world with the gospel. He has blessed his, this world with his church, and he has blessed his church with the presence of his spirit to do things that are powerful and amazing. And that is us. That is you. That is me. That is all of us who have given our lives over to Jesus Christ, been united with Christ in baptism, and are faithful in serving and dedicating ourselves to his will. And what we want to do at Canoe Creek is to teach people to accept this partnership to believe in the gospel message that Jesus is our eternal king. And when we leave this world, he will go on being our king forever. And we will be excited uh, to serve and to worship him for all of eternity. And in this time now, we are trying to help other people see and know that. Help other people see Jesus and share Jesus with our world. Essentially, this is what we're saying. God has made his presence with us so that we can go and share Jesus with everyone Everywhere, in every way. All right, everyone doesn't mean that this church has the capacity to share Jesus, the gospel, with every person on the face of the earth. But everyone we come in contact with, I mean, just look around the room for a minute. We have a wide variety of people, and this is just one of our services. Imagine how exponentially we can impact our community if every one of us was sharing Christ in some small and large ways with everyone we come in contact with this week. Everywhere. It doesn't mean that this congregation is going to be able to share the gospel in all four corners of the earth. But it does mean that everywhere you go, everywhere we go, every day, we have the opportunity to share Jesus in that space and in that place and in every way. Uh, This doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to do everything that we can do or everything that is to be done or this church is going to have five million ministries that we are a mile wide and an inch deep. This is where philosophically we got to say no to some things so that we can say yes really well to other things. 
But every way, when you think about the multifaceted nature of all the people in this room and the things that we represent, the things that we engage in, there are so many ways in which we're going to share Jesus with our world when we capture this vision within our hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. Powerful verse. We're so thankful that Jesus left us with these words which are a command to us, and we pray that you would always help us to make them essential to everything we do here at Canoe Creek, to everything we do as a believer in our faith in you, and so that in our daily lives, uh, in our families, in our communities, in our work, in our school, in our social circles, uh, we take every thought captive. We take every moment still to find a way that I can be Christ to my world in that moment. And so, Lord, we ask that as we do that, we see uh, many people over the course of the years uh, just really, Lord, uh, be transformed and changed. Uh, that, that, Lord, the, the decisions consistently flow week to week. The baptisms consistently happen week to week. Uh, that more and more people become third and fourth generation disciples where we're seeing people from all over this church community walking up on the stage week after week to baptize friends and neighbors and coworkers and family members. Uh, Father, we pray that you would always keep us focused on your vision. We pray that you would help us to always do exactly what you would desire to do. We pray that you would give guidance where we fall short and we fail uh, to nudge us back onto the right track to make sure that we are consistently engaged in the things that you've already determined you will bless uh, so that we can just be partner with you, allowing your spirit to work through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.